Tonight we are going to talk about the God of all mercies. So many things are going on in the world in which we live. A few Sundays ago, Pastor Mark, by the Spirit of God, said, What's going on? And if you didn't know better, you would be questioning and saying, Whoa, what in the world is going on? All the natural disasters, the hurricanes, another one's out there on the coast now, Nate or something. I'm glad they're naming some of them men. It used to be all women. But anyhow, (laughs) all these hurricanes, all these storms, and then, of course, the most recent tragedy that happened a week ago tonight in Las Vegas. And when these things begin to happen, unfortunately, some people and some Christians... And they're not, they're not Christians that know the Lord that do this, but some Christians that are just flat, sour, and mean, and cantankerous say, ah, it's God's judgment. God's judgment. Let me tell you something. If God wanted to get us, we'd already be got. It's not God's judgment. All these storms, all these natural disasters, these are... <coughs> Excuse me. Horrendous acts of violence. These are not coming from God. Satan, the Bible tells us, is the God of this world. And as long as as he has a legal right to be here because of what Adam did, then we're going to see these kind of things happen. And we are living in the end of this age. And the closer that we get to the other age, which is what? Glory to God, the rapture and us stepping over into a new dispensation. But as, as those two ages get closer and closer, there's going to be more conflict. There's going to be more uh, thing, evil, really, in the world. But you know what? We don't have to despair. We don't have to get in fear like pastor preached today. We're going to stay in peace. And what else are we going to do? We're going to look up for we know that our redemption draweth nigh and we are also going to be those that offer the answer anybody know who the answer is anyone know who the prince of peace is anybody know who the god of all mercies is it's our heavenly father And even in this situation that just happened in Las Vegas, my heart has been encouraged. I don't know how many of you saw yesterday, but Vice President Pence was at City Hall. And he offered a phenomenal prayer and words of comfort. And he spoke from the Bible. Think of that, from the Bible. And I know that yesterday also, I mentioned this morning, we have good friends, Pastor David and Vicki Sharon. They pastor Word of Life Church there right in Las Vegas on the outskirts of it. And uh, I know the day after this tragedy happened on Monday evening again at City Hall, they invited several pastors from the area to come and to make some comments and to pray. 
and Pastor David did a great job. He talked about, he said, the things that he said was that light always triumphs over darkness. Love always conquers hate. And then he offered a prayer that the love of God would be poured out upon Las Vegas. And then there was another man. I don't know what his name was, but powerful. He said this. He said he moved to Las Vegas to pastor 20 years ago. And when he moved there, people were saying, why are you going to Sin City? And he said, our city has been known as Sin City. But then he went on to say, but my Bible says... Where sin doth abound, his grace does much more abound. And wow, it was awesome. And he even said, you know what the definition of grace is? It's unmerited favor. And none of us deserved the love of God. None of us could have earned it on our own. But for his mercy and for his grace. And that's what he declared over their city. And then they all prayed for healing, compassion, and comfort, and that people would call on the Lord Jesus Christ and receive his mercy and his grace in their time of need. And as I listened to that, it just came up in my heart about God being the God of mercy. And so I want you to turn with me tonight to 2 Corinthians Uh, chapter 1 and we'll begin at verse 3 and verse 4 blessed be the God read this part with me and father of our Lord Jesus Christ read this out loud the father of mercies and the God of all comfort and then verse 4 who comforts us all in in our tribulation This part stood out to me that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which which we ourselves are comforted by God. Isn't that good? First of all, it says that our father is a father of mercies, not even just one, all mercies. More than one. That makes me happy. Aren't you happy about that? That makes me glad. Micah 7.18, just a portion of that passage says this, that he delights in mercy. Well, I got to thinking about that, that I must have given and I must give the father a lot of delight through the years because I've had to call on him for his mercy many times. How about you? Yeah. We're all giving him a lot of delight because he said he delights Amen. in showing us mercy. And that ought to be our heart as well because that is his heart. Let's look at some more scriptures about this. Lamentations chapter 3 verse 22 through 25. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassion fails not. Ooh, this is good. Next verse. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. 
You might think you used up all your mercy yesterday, but the good news is there's some more available in the morning. They are new every single morning. Hallelujah. Why? Because he's faithful. He's faithful to forgive us. His love has no end. His mercy is everlasting. That's our faithful God. Now, verse 24, let's keep reading there. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The next verse. The Lord is what? He's good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. I think we ought to take a praise break right there. Thank you, Lord. Your mercies are new every morning. Your compassions fail not. Hallelujah. But what I saw in these two verses also was this. Because God showed us mercy. We just read that. We can be merciful. Because we've experienced his compassion. We can show forth compassion. And he said, because you have been comforted. Anybody ever been comforted? By the Holy Ghost. You've ever gone through something. You've ever faced something. A tragedy, a sickness, a disaster in your family. Aren't you glad that you can call on the comfort of the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. He's our comforter. He's our standby. He's a very present help in time of need. And because we've received that comfort, God's going to give us the opportunity to comfort others. Because we've experienced his love and his mercy, then we can, we can go and we can talk to people and we can give them the word of God. And that's the foundation. That's the most important truth. But we can also say, I have tasted of the word. I am like this little lady. I love this story. This little lady years ago, somebody, a a preacher was looking through her Bible. It was all worn. The pages were falling out and he kept seeing TP by a lot of verses. So, you know, his curiosity got him after a while. And he's like, what does TP stand for? She said, oh, preacher, that stands for tried and proven. Hallelujah. Woo! You got any TPs in your Bible? You got any scriptures marked where you can say, I put the Lord to the test. I've stood on the word and it has come to pass. Hallelujah. Well, these verses we just read says God is merciful. He's kind to all who call upon him for all those that seek him. That's the message of the gospel. It is not one of God is mad at you and God is going to get you. You're not going to find that anywhere in the Bible. And that kind of stuff won't draw anybody to the Lord getting out and saying, oh, it's judgment. Those people deserve that sin city. That's not going to win anybody for Jesus. Our God is a good God. He's good to all who call upon his name. Does he love? Does he endorse sin? No, but he loves the sinner. Thank God he did or none of us will be sitting in here. 
Those are not wings on anybody's shoulders. Those are shoulder blades. There's no angels in here. All of us came out of something but for Jesus. But for his mercy. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank God. That's our message. For God so loved the world. He didn't love just the church people. God so loved the world. Some more scriptures on his mercy and his compassion. Psalms 145 verse 8 and 9. You getting this tonight? The Lord is what? He's gracious. He's full of what? Oh, he's full of con- condemnation, you dirty old rotten sinner. No, he's full of compassion. He's slow to anger. And what is he? And great in mercy. Verse 9, the Lord is good to just those he really, really likes. The Lord is good to all. His tender mercies are over all his Works. I just want to repeat some of the words in that passage. He's gracious. He's full of compassion. He doesn't have a little itty bitty dab of compassion that's going to come to an end. No, he's full of compassion. God never says, I've got one nerve left and you're on it. Says he's slow to anger. Praise the Lord for that. And he never says, That's it. I've had it with you. You are trying my patience, and I am so fed up with you. No, the Lord is gracious. He's full of compassion. He's good to all. He's looking for someone to show his goodness to. Now, some people can say, oh, you're just making God sound too good. No, I'm not making God sound too good. That's who God is. God is love. Now, other people say, ah, you're just condoning sin. You're just telling people it's okay to go out and sin. People are going to sin without a license to sin. And we're not condoning sin. But we are saying God loves the sinner. And anybody that will repent can be forgiven. Because his mercy endures how long? Does his mercy endure just till next Tuesday? It's a blue light special and then it's going to end? No. Forever and ever. His mercy endureth. Hallelujah. You know what he's looking for? He's just looking for somebody to show his goodness to. Bible tells us, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself what? Strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. In this you've done foolishly. We don't want to read all of that stuff. It's part of it. But that phrase, on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The King James says, whose heart is 
perfect toward him. But what I like that word loyal. What that says to me, a person who's putting God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added unto you. God is just looking throughout the earth for a person who will have faith in their heart. Faith to trust him. Faith to believe his word. Amen. Has he found anybody in here tonight? Hallelujah. He's ever hunting for opportunities to show his great compassion because he delights in mercy. Many of you have heard of an apostle of faith by the name of Smith Wigglesworth. This was something that he said. There is something about the cry of faith that will cause God to pass over millions of people to get to you. That's the heart he's looking for. That's the loyal heart. That's the perfect heart. The heart that says, I trust you, God. I believe your word. He says, "Woo! let's run down there real quick and do something for them. We got somebody that's speaking the word. We got somebody that's believing me. Hallelujah. Let's get down there and show ourselves strong in their behalf. He's looking for a place. He's looking for a person. He can put on a show. Show how great he is. How magnificent he is. How big he is. He's disposed to show favors. Hallelujah. Do you qualify? Are you happy about that? Lift your hands and say this. Lord God, here am I. My heart trust in you. I have faith in my faithful father. Woo. Amen. Now listen to this statement. Throughout the Bible, you're going to see where there's all different kinds of cries. The Bible will talk about there is a cry of faith. And you know what that does? It invokes a blessing. The word invoke means this, to call forth, to bring about. I don't know if they still do it anymore, but they used to at high school graduations and different events. There was what was called the invocation. The invocation is a prayer at the beginning of an event. And you know what it's supposed to do? Call down a blessing on that event. That's what an invocation means. Call down a blessing. So when God hears and sees faith in our heart, it calls down a blessing upon our lives. Do you have faith in the Father's love? Are you invoking His blessing? Hallelujah. I believe that you are. When He hears that, when He sees that, He is abundant in mercy. Let's look at some scriptures in the New Testament now. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God 
and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to what kind of mercy? Abundant. Abundant. We read that he's full of compassion. Now this says he is abundant in mercy. And through that abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. His love caused him to give us Jesus. His mercy is what caused him to give his only begotten son. He made us. God made us. But through the fall of man, we were separated. Sin separated us from fellowship with our heavenly father. So even though he had made us, what did he have to do? He had to buy us back. He had to redeem us with the precious blood of a sinless, spotless sacrifice. And no one qualified except his only begotten son. That's why it says here, it was according to his abundant mercy. He begot us again. He made us, but he bought us back through the resurrection, through the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ through his finished work, salvation, The way back to the Father was made. No longer did men have to go through a man. No longer did they have to sacrifice animals to atone for their sins. But now, hallelujah, all we have to do is say, Jesus, believe it in our heart, confess it with our mouth, and we are brought back to life. Those that were spiritually dead all of a sudden because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Because he conquered death, hell, and the grave. Those that believe upon him can know that resurrection life and never ever have to experience spiritual death. Never have to know separation from God. Hallelujah. We're all going to die naturally. But we don't have to die spiritually because we've been raised up together and made to sit together with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to pass through the shadow of death, but it's just a shadow. We just may, unless Jesus comes back, which I believe he's going to come in my lifetime for sure. But unless he comes, unless he doesn't come back, we're going to go the wave of the grave. But it's nothing to fear. We'll never ever be separated from our Lord Jesus Christ. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He's with me. He's just going to come and take my hand and escort me right on in to glory. Hallelujah. To joy unspeakable and full of glory. You know why we have that? Because our father is full of abundant mercy. Did we deserve Jesus dying for us? Did mankind deserve God giving his very best? 
Absolutely not. But we're not, we are not saved by works. How are we saved? Through grace. Unmerited favor. Through grace. Through mercy. We are saved. Hallelujah. If you ever have a bad day, and we all do, you ought to just stop for a moment and say, you know, this has been a crummy day, but I'm on my way to heaven. Shouting the victory. I'm on my way to heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus has set me free. I heard a minister say that uh, earth is the only heaven that an unbeliever will ever know. But earth is also the only hell that a believer will know. Woo! Hallelujah! Soon and very soon, we are going to see a resurrected king. Hallelujah! Because he lives, guess what? We live. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Not in fear, but in peace. And in that won't cost you any extra, but it was good. If I do so, my, say so myself. It's a good reminder. God is never, ever playing catch up to the devil. He knows what's happening down here. He knows that the days are evil. He knows that men's hearts are, are full of wickedness. He knows all of that. He knew when he created Adam and Eve, he knew they were going to fall. Think of it. He's God. He knows everything. He knew that Adam was going to sin. And he cannot blame that on Eve throughout eternity. He should have manned up and said, no, women, we're not eating of that fruit. So I don't take all the blame for that, women. (laughs) God knew. He knew what Eve was going to do. He knew what Adam was going to do. But before he ever created them, he had a plan. He had a plan to buy us back. He knew we'd need an intercessor. He knew we'd need a redeemer. Isaiah 59 verse 16 says this. And he saw there was no man. And he wondered that there was no intercessor. He looked down through the eons of time. He made a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But they didn't qualify. They weren't sinless. So he looked down and he said, there's no man. Therefore, his arm brought salvation for him. And his righteousness, it sustained him. He said, there's no human that can redeem and buy back my man. It will take the precious blood of Jesus. He said, there's no man that can stand in that gap between heaven, between me and my creation. But he said, Jesus will qualify. He will be that bridge. Why? Because he's not only was man, but he was God's son. And he was sinless. He had opportunities to sin, but he didn't. 
His blood was precious and spotless. The only one that would qualify to touch heaven and earth and bridge that gap that had been created by sin and separated us. Aren't you glad that he did that for us? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5, verse 8 out of the Amplified, but God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. This clearly exemplifies the Father's heart. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And Jesus loves every person right now driving by on Hesperian Boulevard. Jesus loves the worst criminals sitting over in San Quentin tonight. Jesus loves the drug addicts out on the streets. He loves the prostitutes. He loves those that are bound in the lifestyle of gay and homosexuality. Again, doesn't love the sin, but he loves the people. And he does not want anybody to die and to go into eternity without him. It's not his will that anybody spend eternity in hell. We've been describing the price, the humongous price that has been paid so that we and everybody can receive this eternal life. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine, again in the Amplified. The Lord, he does not delay and he is not tardy or slow about what he promises. According to some people's conception of slowness. Sometimes we're like, could you just answer now? Could I just get through this now? Taking a little time. No, it says God's not slow. But what is he? He's long suffering. He's extraordinarily patient toward you. Think we ought to say another hallelujah. He's patient. Not just patient. Extraordinarily patient. Toward you. And then this is part I want you to see. Not desiring that any. Everybody say any. What does any mean in the Greek? It means any. It means everyone. He's not desirous that anyone should perish. And they don't have to. But how do people not perish? They have to repent. They have to turn to him. Salvation is a free gift. His mercy is available, but it's not automatic. It's already been made available. But what do we have to do? What does anyone have to do? Receive it. Call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. I'm thankful that this is the heart of our father. Mercy. Listen to these definitions of mercy. 
a blessing that is an act of divine favor or compassion. And I like this one. Mercy, kind or forgiving treatment of someone who does not deserve it. Kind or forgiving treatment of someone who does not deserve it. Do you know anybody that that might be describing? Somebody in your life that you're like, okay, that is it. I am done being merciful. They are going to get it now. I'm going to tell them exactly what I've been thinking and holding back. No. If we want to reap mercy, we got to sow mercy. Amen? Listen to this. Jesus, of course, he took our place. He had mercy on us. He forgave us. He washed us in his own precious blood. And he became our intercessor. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. And I like this one out of the King James. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Don't you love that? Able to save them to the uttermost. Now look at this part. That come unto God by him. We are gracious and we are kind. But we will not ever compromise. Jesus is the only way to God the Father. There are lots of religions in the world and we don't need to be mean about it. But the Bible is clear. There is salvation under no other name. You cannot truly experience eternal life and get unto the God. Unto God. See, it says that. He's going to save you to the uttermost, but you have to come through Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Hallelujah. Jesus. Call upon his name and you shall be saved. Hallelujah. And it says he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He already bridged that gap and now he's seated at the right hand of the father and he continues to mediate on our behalf. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. The word intercede means that. To mediate, to intervene between two parties with a view of reconciling differences. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's standing in the gap for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy that endureth forever. Intercession. Like Jesus does for us. But intercession like we can make on behalf of those that are outside the covenant. Outside of knowing Jesus. They're lost. Lost. Hurting, sighing, dying humanity is all around us. But you and I can pray. Intercession is a prayer to hold back judgment. 
just like Jesus. I just see that picture bridge that gap. We can do the same thing. We can say, okay, Lord God, I'm touching you right now. And I'm asking for mercy. This person over here, this relative, this friend, they don't know you. They're out there and they're doing crazy things and they're opening themselves up to the devil. Lord, have mercy on them that they may not die and split hell wide open. Lord God, have mercy. Our prayers give God access to places to hearts that he can't go unless someone asks him. I was laying on my bed today and that just came up in my spirit. Our prayers give God entrance. They give him access to deal with a heart. Access to move in Las Vegas. To move in San Francisco. This is our home. This is our territory. We intercede for people that do not know the Lord. And when we pray, it opens up heaven. And he says, God's looking. He's looking for a person to show himself strong in. And he is looking for an open door. And our prayers open the door. And he can go and deal with that heart. He can go. And our prayers make tremendous power (laughs) available. I want to close by telling you a story I heard recently. Many of you probably have heard of John G. Lake. He was an apostle to the continent of Africa. So many miracles happened there. People raised from the dead. Just tremendous, tremendous ministry there. But as he first went... to Africa he was in this hotel in Johannesburg and he looked out this window and he saw lights of all these hundreds of villages around Johannesburg and he said God how do we reach these thousands of people and the Lord spoke to his heart and the Lord said through my church He said, my church, which is my body. He said, Lord, I know that. I know the church is your body. But how do we reach these people? The Lord spoke to him again. Through my church, which is my body. And finally he realized after the Lord said the same thing to him three times. The Lord said this to him. He said, look at that generator and he looked upstream there was a river right there and this huge dam had been built and this generator was there and he said that generator upriver is producing power to bring light to those hundreds of villages and when my people which is my body when the church prays they will produce power Enough power to reach these thousands of people. So he got himself a prayer army. A prayer army. He gathered believers and he began to tell them, Our prayers are producing power 
our prayers are generating light that will go into dark hearts and dark places. Our prayers bring power, they bring light, and they bring revelation. And we know that he reached millions of people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But everything that he did was undergirded and backed by prayer. It starts there. How shall people know that there is a God that is alive? There is a God that loves them and is full of mercy. How shall they know? By the prayers of the saints producing that surge in the spirit that removes blinders off of their hearts removes that darkness out of the inside of them and that blindness leaves their minds and all of a sudden they come to themselves and they say Ooh, God I need you Jesus be my Lord I give you my life it's a plot of the devil to keep people in darkness and to keep their hearts blinded what the Bible says that you know if they could really see it's the God of this world that blinds their eyes but our prayers when we pray they're opened and they begin to see God is good I truly believe it that people if they had a real revelation of the mercy and the good of God how would anybody in their right mind say ah no I don't want him who wouldn't want God's love God's goodness and God's compassion so that's what we are going to do tonight we're going to pray and that prayer power it pulls power down from heaven to where it's needed it might be to a nation Our nation needs prayer. It might be to a city. Las Vegas needs prayer tonight. It may be to individuals. All I know is powerful, purposeful prayer. It paves the way for the impossible to become possible. Amen. Amen.